0: The combined voices of the Gospel Ensemble and the Sanctuary Choir, they've been singing their hearts out for Palm Sunday and today two more wonderful pieces are coming. The piece today for offertory is actually a piece based on a 17th century poem. There'll be some unfamiliar language in it. It's an incredibly, incredibly difficult piece, but you'll see how this amazing group, under the direction of Cassandra White, offer it in a powerful and beautiful way. So get ready for the offertory. You'll want to stay through to the very end for the soulful Hallelujah Chorus at the end. So, so much great stuff today, and such a vision into the heart of the living Christ. All right, it's taken about 10 years, but I have finally entered this new century. Over the last couple of weeks, I actually set up a Facebook page. And when I did that, I didn't know what I was getting into. I I didn't know that just about every day I was going to be hit with these opportunities to take various quizzes that give you insight into your personality based on different questions. One of the quizzes I couldn't resist, it was a quiz that helped you discover your hippie name. And uh, I took the quiz, and I'll tell you my hippie name in just a minute, but before I go there, it really prompted me to start thinking about the hippie names of some of the people around me based on their characteristics or things that are happening in their life. So, Kristen, (laughs) I found myself thinking about your hippie name, and it's pretty cool, you are a hippie, so... A holy hippie, yes. but you're a hippie. Right. <laughs> I'm with it. After trips to you know, after California and that's the right. East Coast, the whole thing. You got the hippie thing going. But the hippie name that came to me was Angel Cup. Oh, much better than I thought it could be. <laughs> <laughs> I had some other ideas, but you know, we'll save those for, you know, offline. That's but uh, <laughs> but for you it was I was thinking about how you have really been a messenger, and that's what angels are, and you've brought us a message of of hope and, and love, and then every Wednesday night with the chalice, which is a cup, you invite all of us to experience the abundance and the fullness of that daily relationship. So, I'm angel cup that. you are. Thank you. And of course, so this, um, <laughs> I started thinking about Janice, and, and I'll admit right now, you just heard the loftiest of the hippie names. <laughs> because Janice, when I think of you, that hippie name for you that came to me was midnight makeover (laughs) and how could it be anything but when you now have two infants screaming at midnight (laughs) and despite all that you still come in the next day looking pretty good considering everything (laughs) so midnight makeover and then of course Jason how could we resist if you've ever set foot on our property, and you have felt the ground kind of moving and shaking, and you wonder, is it a plane? What is it? It's actually Jason laughing. And so uh, his hippie name is Cosmic Belly Laugh. <laughs> Can you give us one of your laughs on cue, Jason? Just I don't know, he's not ready for that one, but you'll hear it before the service is out. Actually, uh, when going through this quiz, I've learned a few of the other hippie names from people in the congregation that have hit my Facebook page, and there is such a thing as uh, hippie name envy, because Lee Walker, who I think is sitting over here about three-quarters of the way back, he lucked out, his hippie name is Revolution Breeze. I mean, how's that for a change-the-world sort of hippie name? Pat Walker actually saw my hippie name, and uh, she simply wrote back and said, Dwayne, your hippie name would make a good sermon topic. So thank you, Mama Pat, for uh, for that, because this week I found myself thinking about the hippie name that was given to me. My hippie name is Happy Journey. I mean, how sweet is that? I'm not quite sure how they came up with that, but happy journey, not too bad. And yet, moving into this Holy Week, I I found myself thinking about it a little bit, thinking about would that hippie name actually apply to what Jesus experienced during his Holy Week? The reality is that much of his journey was not happy. And in fact, as I came closer to Good Friday, I I really didn't want to think about happy journey, because at that moment, Jesus faced the most difficult pain that life would bring. And in fact, I, I went to Lee Walker's wall on his Facebook page, and I said, you know, happy journey seems sort of like an oxymoron for this week, it just doesn't make sense, And Lee said, ah, but that's when Easter comes in. When Easter comes, it is a happy journey. And we do celebrate the joy of the journey on this day. How Jesus defeats death and comes to experience the fullness of the resurrected life. And yet looking at our scriptures today, we see that even happy journey may not be the best description when we look at the full picture. So the question that comes to me, based on our scriptures today that you have printed there in your worship folder, what would Jesus' hippie name be? Let's look first of all at the gospel lesson that you see there. If you look at what's offered, think about your hippie name for Jesus based on this scripture. It describes about the Sabbath being over and how Mary of Magdala And Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought perfumed oils so they could anoint Jesus. That's the beginning of it. They are going to the tomb under the assumption that Jesus is dead. What they are experiencing at this moment is anything but a happy journey. And if you look at the last line, where our gospel ends according to Mark, it says, "...they fled from the tomb, bewildered and trembling." And they said nothing to anyone because they were so afraid. And according to scholars, that is the last word of Mark's gospel. They run in fear. So what we have here is not so much a happy journey, but an unhappy journey. They received this amazing good news. They hear from the messenger there at the empty tomb that Jesus is alive, that he's not here. Go and share the news. But they turn to fear. It's like they can't handle the good news. And their journey, according to this gospel, is an unhappy journey. Now, as people, we tend to like happy endings. So therefore, the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of John and Luke all have these happy, wonderful endings. And in fact, on this day, according to the lectionary, we had a choice of using John's gospel or Mark's gospel. And most churches used John's gospel because it has that happy ending. But it occurred to me that there is great relevance in what Mark offers because he speaks to real people, in real lives, and the truth is there are many of us who receive the best news of our lives, and yet there's something inside of us that keeps us from seeing good news for what it is. Maybe there's this tendency to think that that as soon as we start to celebrate, it's going to get pulled out from underneath us, or maybe there's this tendency to think that we're not quite good enough for the good news, that we need to earn the good news somehow. And so like those in this scripture, we go through our lives carrying the tools of death, the anointing oil, seeing death, even when there is life. We can't see the promise for what it is, and it's right there. The early editors of these gospels, when they begin to make copies of the gospel, they would look at how the gospel of Mark ends, and many of them thought it can't end this way. And so if you look in your Bible, you'll see that there are footnotes and there is a section that will say a shorter ending and a longer ending. Those early editors decided to go ahead and create a happy ending where there wasn't one. But they do us a disservice because it is important that we ponder in the places that seem unhappy and see what message might be there. The call is to look at that And to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with the unhappy ending? Will it be a challenge or will it bring us down? Will it be a call to embrace life in greater fullness? To linger with the questions for a while? And to see where Easter is in the journey. So the gospel, it leaves us with an unhappy journey. But now look at the next scripture that you have there. Look at the scripture from Acts. See the story that's there. What we have here is Peter's sermon. And in this, he does tell the full story. He talks about Jesus who came to live and die and to heal. He who was raised again and resurrected. It's a powerful and beautiful story. But if you look at the scripture, you'll see that though this is not an unhappy journey, It is an unfinished journey because the church so often in looking at this scripture has looked at the story of Jesus but not applied this story to our call and to our mission. And when we do not act on the story, it remains an unfinished story. And there's an important part of the story that is often left out. We jump to the life of Jesus, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, and we forget the very beginning of Peter's sermon when he says to them, I begin to see how true it is that God shows no partiality rather that any person of any nationality who honors God and does what is right is acceptable to God. Any person of any nationality is acceptable to God. This is the message God has sent to the people of Israel, the good news of peace proclaimed through Jesus Christ who is Savior of all. Jesus didn't say worship me. He said follow me. And to follow me is to offer my message to the world. I have come to break down the walls. I have come to bring peace. But peace happens person to person and table to table and conversation to conversation. Take down the walls because your God is a God of impartiality. Your God is a God of all the nation. So fling the doors open wide. This is the fullness of the Easter story. And until we open the doors, the story is unfinished. It is an unfinished journey. Oh, the very heart of the gospel has so often been missed, leaving the Easter story unfinished. The church has divided itself, built walls of denominations, walls between nations, and the place that was intended to be the place of greatest unity in all the world has become the place of greatest division and greatest disunity. So the Easter story calls us to see our mission. Oh, what a mission it is. And that's why our ministry to our children and youth are so important. Many of them are young enough to have not yet allowed the walls to come up. They're young enough to not allow their lives and their eyes to glaze over with bigotry and prejudice. Here we seek to look into our children's eyes and see a clear view of heaven where all are welcome at the table. This is where our children have so much to teach us. They're not jaded yet. (laughs) They carry themselves with an openness, a sense of questioning, a sense of joy. They are our prophets, for so often they live the message of this scripture, and that unfinished journey nears completion in the fullness of their lives. So let us nurture and love and grow together as a multi-generational church, where the youngest and the most senior has a powerful message of liberation for all who will hear. Where does this leave us? Are we left on this Easter Sunday with an unhappy journey or an unfinished journey? Of course not. The good news is that ultimately it all leads us to a living journey. If you look at your gospel again, you'll see a clue to this insight. You'll see these words from the messenger there at the empty tomb. He says to the women, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was crucified. And then here comes the good part. He has risen. He is not here. They look into the empty tomb and he was not there. Why? Because he was on a journey. A journey that took him from life to death and back to life again. And life could not keep him in the tomb. It released him to a living journey. Jesus is not here, the messenger said. So where is he? Um, Kind of look under your seat there, maybe. Where is he? Where is he? He's not in the tomb. Where is he? Does anyone know? Oh, come on. Surely you know the story. Where is he? He is here. Here. Here as close as each of our heartbeats. He is here in our stories, in our searching, and in our prayers. We are simply invited to have eyes to see. I see Jesus, right here on the front row. I see Jesus. He's here, he's here. He's here in the beauty And in the dignity and in the passion of who you are, he's here. Oh, just feel the warmth of your own hand. It's life. He's this close. Oh, it's not ultimately an unhappy journey or an unfinished journey. It is a living journey, and that life is here at this moment. You might find yourself saying, okay, Maybe he's here, but he's not in me. He couldn't be in me. I do not deserve to be a Christ bearer. He, he can't be in my life right now because my life is not perfect. My life isn't good enough for him. Wherever your story leads you or whatever your story might be, know that you are enough. You are good enough to carry the living Christ within you. You are worthy enough to carry the living Christ in your own life. You may feel like you've tried and you've worked, and your story is at some kind of a dead end. Actually, your story is at a life beginning, because Jesus wants to write your story with you, wherever your story might be today. In this room, there are as many stories as there are people and um, maybe one of these stories sounds familiar you've given your heart to someone you have finally opened up but they have not opened their heart in return so today on easter sunday it may feel like end of story to you or you've practiced so hard you've worked you put one of those basketball hoops in your driveway and you have practiced and practiced and practiced, and yet you didn't make the team. It may feel like end of story to you today. Or maybe you love creating art. You take paint, and you take the best of your gifts, and you bring your creativity, and no one's impressed. When you do your best and no one's impressed, it, it may feel like end of story. Or, or maybe you went to all the right classes. You, you had this dream of what your life would look like and what your career would be. You made all the right contacts. You did all the right networking. You got the right mentor. And you finally got your dream job. And a month into it, it was nothing you expected and you hated. And you put everything into it. It may feel like end of story. Or maybe you've been sailing along in your career and it's all gone so beautifully. And In fact, you've been doing so well that some recruiters saw the work you were doing and they began to groom you for this other position. And They told you how great it would be and finally, finally you listened. It was a step up. You took the new position. And shortly thereafter, the new company began downsizing. And it feels like end of story. Or you've saved up for that dream home. You knew the home that you wanted. You planned well. You did all the right things financially. You crossed your T's. You dotted your I's. You moved into your new home. Your equity started to grow. Then one day a foreclosure sign shows up next door. Another across the street. Another a few doors down. And it hits you that uh, all your equity has evaporated. (laughs) You've done all the right things. And now it seems like end of story. Or you have had a wonderful career. You have become a mentor and an advisor to many. You'd come to the end of most of your days and you'd have more voicemails asking for your opinion and your advice, you were respected, and then it came time to retire. The voicemail stopped. Those seeking your advice quit seeking. You go to check your emails. Surely someone needed something from you, and all you would find was spam and jokes. Oh, you had a full life, and now this is supposed to be the best time, Retirement and yet it feels like the story has ended end of story unhappy journey unfinished journey the good news is that the living christ helps us to view our stories and our lives through a whole new lens and a whole new perspective the living christ is the choice that makes a difference helping us to see our world and everything that happens in it and the circumstances we face through the lens of heaven. We see with eyes that see grace abounding. And what seems like end of story is actually an opportunity to grow in brand new ways. The moment we feel like shutting down, we find ourselves opening up. Eyes to see the living Christ. He is not there in the empty tomb, but here in our lives, open. We live with eyes touched by grace. Steve Dowdy says it this way. Eyes touched by grace look personally on me, and they look personally on each one of us. Not to see what is missing, nor do they look to see what with great effort and much improvement we might become. These eyes of abounding grace, they simply look and they see. They love. Looking and loving, the eyes touched by grace are not then glazed over with sentiment. Seeing deeply, they awaken in us a response that lets us grow stronger, stronger within, more open to others, more mature in our love. Eyes touched by grace are eyes that look outward. On the world's harshest pain and in the process teach our eyes to do the same and eyes touched by grace then tutor us that we may respond to the pain even as the possessors of those eyes with great sensitivity already have done and continue to do eyes touched by grace they possess the wisdom to pause to pause before the most common scenes of loveliness to trace the gentle contours of a laugh, or of another's hand, or of the fresh breeze that marks the season's change. Eyes touched by grace belong to those who have heard the grace giver say, behold, the reign of God is in your midst. And then they have dared to pray, let us see, let us see. Let us see. Christ is not in the tomb. He is here where we are, where we live, and where we see. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Alleluia and amen.